with its massive high stone walls, decaying corridors and dank, stark cells that once housed thousands of hardened criminals, Eastern State Penitentiary certainly looks the part of being a haunted prison. Its 142-year history is full of suicide, insanity, disease, murder and torture, making it the perfect location for the spirits of troubled souls that were left behind to roam its abandoned halls. Thousands of people explore the historic penitentiary every year and several emerge with their own ghostly encounters. Employees and tourists hear whispering, giggling and even weeping while exploring the property. When they investigate where the noises are coming from, they never find the source. Welcome to this week's episode of the True Hauntings Podcast. I'm Anne Rekovich. And I'm Renata Daniel. This week we head back to America to explore the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Looking down these dreary passages, the dull repose and quiet that prevails is awful. Occasionally, there is a a drowsy sound from some lone weaver's shuttle or shoemaker's last, but it is stifled by the thick walls and heavy dungeon door, and only serves to make the general stillness more profound. Over the head and face of every prisoner who comes into this melancholy house, a black hood is drawn, and in this dark shroud, an emblem of the curtain dropped between them and the living world, he is led to the cell from which he never again comes forth until his whole term of imprisonment has expired. He is a man buried alive, to be dug out in the slow round of years. And though he lives to be in the same cell ten weary years, he has no means of knowing, down to the very last hour, in what part of the building it is situated, what kind of men there were about him, whether in the long night there are living people near, or he is in some lonely corner of the great jail with walls and passages and iron doors between him and the nearest sharer in these solitary horrors. I believe that very few men are capable of estimating the immense amount of torture and agony which this dreadful punishment, prolonged for years, inflicts upon the sufferers. And in guessing at it myself, and in reasoning from what I have seen written upon their faces, 
what to my certain knowledge they feel within, I am only more convinced that there is a depth of terrible endurance in which none but the sufferers themselves can fathom, and which no man has a right to inflict upon his fellow creature. I hold this slow and daily tampering with the mysteries of the brain to be immeasurably worse than any torture of the body, and because its ghastly signs and tokens are not so palpable to the eye and sense of touch as scars upon the flesh, because its wounds are not upon the surface, and it extorts few cries that human ears can hear. Therefore, I denounce it as a secret punishment which slumbering humanity is not roused up to stay. And that soundscape today came from Charles Dickens. Mm. The Charles Dickens who visited Eastern States Penitentiary. Mm -hmm. And he actually approved of the changes at that time. He thought that it was going to be a good thing to have happen for those who were incarcerated until he actually experienced the jail himself and realised what horrors lay behind the locked doors and what they were actually doing to people who, even though had committed possibly very heinous crimes, uh, it was still that form of punishment that, no one should ever have to go through. Yeah. So he he saw this and denounced it. Mm-hmm. He said it was inhumane because um, it was mental torture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us about and, the history. This place is fascinating, yeah. the way it's laid out and everything about it. And the, look, the more I read, the more um, I thought of the jail that we work at, Maitland Jail, mm-hmm. and the silent system was used there. Because Ah. it went all around the world. 300 jails use the silent system. And old Melbourne jail, I believe, Mm. because we did the the history tour there and they Mm -hmm. used it. Um, What about our gorgeous friends down at uh, Geelong? Did they use it there too? I'm not sure when it was open, but anything in the early 1800s or mid-1800s would have used the silent system um, because people from all over the world were actually coming to Eastern State Penitentiary to check out how they ran the jail. And any jails that were created uh, or built in that form of uh, a wagon wheel, what they call a wagon wheel, Mm -hmm. um, they would have used the silent system in. So in Tasmania... That, oh, that yes. one there that and we went to. Isn't um, Parramatta in that that sort of style as well? I remember that they've got these um, uh, rows mm. of uh, jail cells that, that run off to mm. the side from a central thing. So, yeah, wow. Mm. Never thought of that before. Yeah, a bit crazy. So I'm going to take you back about 50 years before the opening of Eastern State Penitentiary and we're going to start off in 1776, just briefly, just a little timeline leading up to the opening of Eastern State and uh, looking at the fact that all these prisons started to become very overcrowded with the amount of prisoners that were being placed behind bars. So in 1776, there was a jail called Walnut Street Jail uh, that was built to house the prisoners in the area there in Philadelphia, Um, but it couldn't cope with the overcrowding and there were 
scandalous conditions, as they say here in this piece, uh, at Philadelphia's Oldstone Jail. And so uh, they tried to transfer prisoners over uh, and make do for as much as they could. But uh, about 10 years later, 1787, uh, there was a Dr. Benjamin Rush who created the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons. What a fabulous title. Mm-hmm. And Benjamin Franklin joined him later that year, and this group still survives today. About 200 years later. What, the same people? <laughs> and it's now called the Pennsylvania Prison Society, and it keeps on promoting the same thing, uh, correctional reform and social justice. Mm -hmm. So even back then you've got these very famous people in in their world uh, who are saying this is this is criminal. <laughs> this is criminal yeah. to put criminals through this. Yeah. So it must have been outrageously awful and as we will hear later on it was mm -hmm. some of the things that were going on there it's like it's like the wardens had free for all yeah yeah we're doing this in the name of good we are mm -hmm. for god yeah and the, the amount of people who would have been innocent that were in there mm -hmm. that, that is what scares me the most so especially in the 1800s, we're looking, and again, if I reflect back on Maitland Jail, we're, we're, we're looking at many um, petty crimes that occurred. And we realised, and this is a question I asked you before we started looking at um, Eastern State, uh, women were incarcerated there as well. Yeah, in the same jail cells as the men. Oh, my goodness. So guess what happened? Yeah. Well, Boy, bees. <laughs> They had a lot of free time, didn't they? Oh, that's 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 oh, it's, just, it's horrifying. I can't even. It's I horrifying. can't even. Yeah. So in 1790, a penitentiary house with a capacity for 16 single cells is built at Walnut Street Jail, and an experiment uh, with day and night solitary confinement begins. So. Right from 1790, one of the things that they're believing is that leaving the prisoners on their own for extended period of time is going to reverse their criminal behaviour. So they can sit and think about what they've done Absolutely. and contemplate their navel. Wow. Yep. Well, I mean, look at us in lockdown. We're going nuts and we've got so many things to entertain ourselves, mm -hmm. but they're just locked in a cell. Mm-hmm. That's right, with nothing, nothing to learn, nothing, nothing to um, distract them from the you darkness. You count the hairs on your big toe and compare it to your left and right foot. <sighs> but it yeah. might be too dark. You might not be able to. You mm -hmm. have to go by feel. Oh, <laughs> horrifying. Um, so, yes, as you mentioned, this was uh, a radical new idea, apparently, uh, and prisoners should reflect upon their crimes, spending their time in careful contemplation and reflection in the darkness, all alone in wet and grimy and horrible cells, that in many cases they may not even be able to stand up in properly. And this is the idea of the penitentiary for them being penitent mm -hmm. for their crimes, asking God for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. When they should be asking their victims. Mm. So after many years of lobbying from the Philadelphia Society for alleviating the miseries of public prisons, the Pennsylvania legislature, legis legislature, 
Le- legislator. Put your teeth in. <laughs> Put your teeth in, Renala. Wrap your tongue around that word and taste the deliciousness of it. <laughs> the, the Pennsylvania legislature Yay, approves well done. funding to build Eastern State Penitentiary and the new prison's going to hold 250 prisoners. So four architects submit designs for the massive new prison, and it is massive. Mm-hmm. Turns out to be the most expensive building in um, the USA. It's very imposing from yep. the outside. And John Haviland, a British architect who moved to Philadelphia, wins a commission, and he receives the exorbitant amount of 100 Dollars prize for his design. Oh, that was just a prize. Mm. Ooh. Yep, yep, yep. And um, the other architect who was involved and came very, very close, William Strickland, um, is chosen to oversee the construction. Well, that would have been a nasty thing, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're second place, so you can oversee. Yeah, you can oversee the design. How's that going to work? So in 1822, construction begins on the foundations and the walls and William Strickland is fired. Oh, who could have guessed that? (laughs) Yeah. And John Haviland is appointed to oversee the construction. You must have been psychic about that. (laughs) Either that or you read the notes earlier, I don't know. (laughs) Now, in 1826, the Marquis de Lafayette visits the unfinished penitentiary and in April 20 th- on April 23rd 1829 legislation specifying separate and solitary confinement at labor is passed many leaders believe that crime itself is a result of environment and that solitude will make the criminal regretful and penitent or angry and resentful <laughs> Yes. And insane. So plans are finalised to prohibit all contact between prisoners at Eastern State Penitentiary and to make it even worse, they make masks. So they're fabricated to keep the inmates from communicating during rare trips outside their cells. Cells are equipped with feed doors and individual exercise yards to prevent contact between inmates and to minimise contact between inmates and guards. And in October 1829, Eastern State Penitentiary opens and takes in its first inmate, Charles Williams. He is prisoner number one because they all get a number which remains with them until they leave. And they are only that number. They are only that number. So that's on all their clothes and everything. So they describe Charles Williams as light black skin, five feet, seven inches tall. They measure his feet, which is something that they they do with all the prisoners, and they say it's 11 inches. Ooh. (laughs) Renata, they're talking about feet. What are you going to do with his foot, pray tell? Well, you know, no. (laughs) We've got the famous wheeze happening. (laughs) She just put herself into that hole. I didn't even have to try. (laughs) Well done, Renata. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, she's holding her sore ribs now. Poor Precious. <laughs> so, everyone, we've now worked out what tickles Renata's fancy. Apparently it's 11 inches. <laughs> Feet. It's a foot. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Could he give us a... <laughs> oh, All right, right. We'll, 
We're just going to pause until she gets her breath back. All right, I think she's now composed herself. I've come back to my senses. Right, so. She's still bright red, but that's okay. Uh, So he has a scar on his nose, a scar on his thigh. He has a broad mouth, black eyes, and he's a farmer by trade. He can read. Theft included one $20 watch, one $3 gold seal, one gold key. And so he was sentenced to two years, confined uh, with labour and received by Samuel R. Wood, who was the first warden of Eastern State Penitentiary. So that was the very first prison. I love how they've gone into great detail yeah. of their looks. Apparently they used to search their bodies right over to find every single mark they could um, that would identify that person. So um, mm-hmm. today it would be tattoos and things, wouldn't it? Mm, yeah. So um, it was. It, they, they called it a marvel of engineering. It was the most expensive American building of its time. It had indoor flush toilets. Um, but apparently I read later on that they were only emptied twice a week. Yeah. Ew. And a running water. Well, they, they, they flushed. They, yeah, I don't understand how that worked. But anyway, it had indoor stop it. <laughs> no, I just have to take a, I'm just taking a photo for everyone who will pop up online later with Renata with her papers <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I'm going from one page to another. Um, and... Uh, it was the first building in the nation to be so equipped, or one of the first buildings. It was even more well-equipped than the White House. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they had it better than the White House? Better than the White House, or, or, be, or be, well, more well-equipped, let's more say. More well-equipped, not better. Not better. Now, the penitentiary itself had a radial floor plan. Oh, this is the wagon the wheel. The wagon wheel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the system of solitary confinement was the model for over 300 prisons worldwide. So from this wagon wheel design, uh, 300 other prisons around the world decided that that was the best way of doing it. And that yeah. was so that the wardens and the guards could see down every corridor from one spot. So they had like a, a round room in the middle mm-hmm. and those corridors ran off each room and they could just stand there and look down the corridor. Yeah. And uh, when we went to um, Port Arthur in Tasmania, we kind of got a view of what that looked like. Mm. Mm, interesting. So seven cell blocks radiated from the central core and it proved to be a, a very effective design as we said, because it allowed the guards to monitor the prisoners uh, with the least amount of effort. Mm -hmm. So originally the penitentiary was designed to hold 250 prisoners, but uh, the uh, original designer, Haviland, was prevailed upon to design the prison so that it could hold 450 inmates. We want more. Both male and female. And as you said, male and female together was just an absolute Disaster. That somebody really didn't know about the birds and the bees when they did that. Oh, I don't know how they thought that was going to work. Um, yeah. So, as we mentioned before, they they thought that they could make this little archway for entry into each cell. Um, also, considering it to be a way of making the prisoners or the inmates bow down and literally crawl in or bow down to the effect of being penitent. 
as walking into the cell. So, again, everything was around this forgive me, dear God, for what I am doing. I am here to pay for whatever crime I had created. It also was constructed that way because they thought that it was going to be difficult for prisoners to try and escape and hurt the prison guards. Uh, But it became such a ridiculous thing that they changed all of that uh, and made it easier for the prisoners to come in. So uh, the cells were constructed, again, to allow prisoners to enter and leave um, through the same doorway. Well, and that the, makes sense, doesn't it? It's just like any jail cell. You've got a way to go in and it's the same way to go yeah, back out. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, these were metal doors that were covered with heavy wooden um, panels at oh, the front. Yes, I was looking at these on one of the YouTube clips. So yeah, they're to like filter a, out the noise. Yeah, it was a, like a, a mesh, but it was um, wide strips of metal that were made into um, – uh, like the cross hatch, and then they had a like a stable door that mm-hmm. would slide across, uh, so that they would block out the noise and block out seeing anyone. Mm-hmm. And the halls were designed to feel like a church. The cells were made of concrete with a single glass skylight, which was to represent the eye of God, suggesting to the prisoners that God was always watching. I'm watching you. And there was only one book allowed in the cell. Guess what it was? The Bible. The Bible. Yes. And prisoners faced this bleak existence when they entered the penitentiary and in most cases that's what they had for the whole time that they were there in the early mm. days. So they were taken into a room and they were stripped. Their bodies were examined for every birthmark, every mole, every scar, and it was recorded in a book under their name. So they would eat and sleep in the cell and occasionally they would have been taken out for some exercise, but this was in uh, with the hood on their head and in silence. And, of course, this sensory deprivation drove most of them quite mad. And didn't they have some really peculiar tortures, and uh, not as in tortures in flashlight, but torture? Yes. But yeah. uh, it was rehabilitation, but it was torture. Yep. Yep. So they weren't allowed to sing uh, or talk to themselves or make any sound. Uh, The guards even wore socks over their shoes to make sure that it was quiet when they walked around. And it was uh, what they called a silent call of torture. Now, if anyone acted out, there were punishments. Mm -hmm. So if that wasn't punishment enough, there were even more punishments. And some of the punishments were actually adapted from punishments that were used in uh, mental hospitals at the time. So prisoners could be sent to the hole and the hole was actually one of two cells where inmates were often stripped and forced to lay on the floor to rest. They had no blankets, no amenities, and they were served bread and water or um, half a ration of bread and water depending on how bad the issue was that they were put in there for. Or the mood the guard was in that day. Mm. And uh, they could have been left there for either days or months. Oh, my God. Yep. So one prison guard reportedly offered water to a prisoner who was on the verge of mental and physical collapse after he had spent more than two months in the hole. Wow. And didn't he? He got fired or something like that. He was yeah, punished for yep, showing yep. any sort of Compassion. empathy. Yep. yep. Then there was the mad chair and prisoners were restrained with 
um, restraints on their hands and legs and strapped to the chair so tightly that they lost circulation in their limbs. And sometimes the person's limbs would turn black. Oh, my God. And they would be obviously an in excruciating pain and sometimes they were left crippled by this. Well, that would be the circulation's gone. Mm. Now, there was also the straight jacket, which was very, very common. So a person could be bound so tightly that it might cut off circulation and it may actually send the person into unconsciousness. Water baths were often used in mental hospitals as a form of shock treatment. So this was also used at Eastern State Penitentiary. They had a a particular version of it where the person would be stripped and placed into a bath of ice-cold water. Uh, They could chain the person to a wall and douse them with ice-cold water. And in summer, uh, this was bad enough. I bet those feet shriveled up. Mm, But you could imagine in winter being left in those cells in dripping cold water for hours on end. The guards would often douse prisoners several times with icy water and let them freeze. Wow. And the damage done by frostbite was terrible to behold. Again, I say, it's not ghosts I'm frightened of. It's humans. Mm. Every time. The depravity of the human mind astounds me. Now, just one more thing that I'm going to tell you about, and that's the um, iron tongue gag. The what? The iron tongue gag. Now, that was a five-inch long piece of metal that was clamped (laughs) down. She's not interested in the five-inch one. (laughs) No, clamped down over the prisoner's tongue and it was connected to chains on the prisoner's wrists. So if the prisoner moved even slightly, the the tongue gag gouged and mangled his tongue. Who even thinks this up? Who thinks, oh, I'm going to put this contraption on someone's tongue and tie it to their wrists and and use it as a device to control someone? Who thinks it up? Mm. Well, they use something similar at Maitland Jail. Uh, and in jails all around Australia, and that was a gag as well. So it was a leather strap with this piece of wood um, attached to it that had a hole through the middle. Mm -hmm. And so if it was specifically used for women, Mm -hmm. and so if there was a woman who was mouthing off or continued to be disruptive, um, she would have this strapped around her head with a wooden dowel Mm -hmm. inserted into her mouth Mm -hmm. um, so she could breathe through it, Mm -hmm. but... It stopped her from talking. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think, I mean, that's horrible, but it's not as bad as actually oh, having your tongue shredded. Ab- yeah, absolutely not. Just, oh, yeah. humans. But I, I'm going to let you go now, and she says, thank God, with <laughs> uh, the ghost stories because you can imagine that with all of this torture, uh, all of those horrible places that existed within the penitentiary for years and years and years, uh, that it would truly lend itself to residual hauntings. Well, I mean, it's the perfect environment for it, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run, maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. 
Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash p60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash p60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. So we have a famous prisoner that was there that we covered not that long ago in one of our podcasts of Alcatraz, Mm -hmm. and that is Al Capone. Now, this is where I think the haunting of Jimmy began. So if you're not familiar with that, guys, you've got to go listen to the Alcatraz one. But his cell here, unlike Alcatraz, was plush. Yes, I've seen a picture of it. Yeah, really nice furniture and oil paintings and a soft bed. Uh, But at night, he was tormented by Jimmy and he could be heard yelling and blood-curdling screams for Jimmy to leave him alone. Jimmy followed him across to Alcatraz. Uh, But in actual fact, they think that it was the onset of um, what's the... Dementia? Not dementia, no. Alzheimer's? The, no, 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 where you, your brain rots because you've you've had too much sex with naughty people. Syphilis. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> I'm glad you know what it is. Oh. oh. Um, I didn't know that. Didn't you? No. Oh, no. Well, it, he, he did uh, suffer from that. Um so that that was one of the first ones, but apparently some of the reportings of hauntings go right back to the 1940s, and I was trying to find some more information about that, but I couldn't find anything specific. Mm-hmm. But the jail closed in 1971, and that's when uh, people began to really take note of what was happening in there. Uh, so oh, I like it when we have a... Um, a menu, as we mm-hmm. like to say. Um, a menu of, of cells. Menu, well, not necessarily cells, but cell blocks. Cell blocks. Um, so let's let's head over to, I'm not necessarily going to do it in order, um, cell block six. I feel like we're going to do the cell block tango at mm-hmm. the moment for Chicago. Do you know I was in that musical when we did it here in Newcastle? Really? I played Mama Morton, got mm-hmm. to sing a few songs, wear some fabulous frocks. Anyway. Back to this. <laughs> uh, so cell block six is uh, one of the older cell blocks and is known for seeing lots of shadow people. Then we've got cell block 12. Now that's known for echoing voices and cackling. Mm. Oh, you'd be good at that. So they'd hear crazy laughter as if a madman was being housed in there. 
death row also was a cell block for those who were facing death and they had the old Sparky house there. You know what old Sparky is? No. The electric chair. Oh, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Once again, people have seen black figures there running down the aisle and darting from cell to cell. And some people claim that when they walk through this cell block, they hear voices whispering, even though they are totally alone. Mm -hmm. People also find that the infirmary is very uncomfortable. They come out of there feeling shaken and frightened with no reason whatsoever. I reckon they're picking up on the residual energy of what went down in there. Others hear voices crying out in pain and the sound of sobbing. Uh, and they've caught EVPs in that area many, many times. Apparently the infirmary was one of the last places they opened up to the public. Mm. It wasn't always open to the public. Ah, and if you look at pictures of Eastern State Penitentiary now, it is really crumbling. Yes. It's yeah. in a bad way. And you, you said that it was made of cement. Uh-huh. So I'd say that that cement is decaying. Uh, I don't know how safe it is in there now, but um, I'll, I'll get to that part. Now, cell block four, uh, from that row, people have said that they've seen the silhouette of a guard in one of the towers. Um, from the central guard tower. So they think that that one is left there on an eternal watch. When Mm -hmm. the staff that are there, the living staff, go to investigate, they find no one in the guard tower. Surprise! Mm. (laughs) (laughs) There was a really cool story from uh, Gary Johnson, his name is, and this is in regards to cell block four. So he helps maintain the crumbling old locks on the prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 1990s, he just opened up an old lock in cell block four when he says a force gripped him so tightly that he was unable to move. He described the feeling of this force as being negative, horrible energy that exploded out of the cell. He said tormented faces appeared on the cell walls and that one form in particular beckoned him. Mm. How scary. Come here, Gary. That's very scary. So some of these stories that I'm using today are coming from an awesome book I found called The Big Book of Pennsylvania Ghost Stories by Mark Nesbitt and Patty A. Wilson. I just, they've they've done a really good job of giving a, a descriptive history of the place and also some of the hauntings that happened there. And I found also a story about the soap lady. And I didn't find this anywhere else. It was just this one reference. And this was from the ghostcitytours.com. The apparition of a mysterious woman is spotted so often that employees have named her the the ghost, the soap lady. She sits in the last cell on the second floor wearing white. And apparently the second floor is where the women's cell block prison was operational. Now, I also found a story about a dog being incarcerated. Oh, I don't have that story. Please tell us that story. Yeah, so um, from the website that talks about the history of Eastern States Penitentiary, there was a story about Pep, the so-called cat murdering dog. What? (laughs) A cat murdering dog? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So they say that there were animals that lived or worked at the penitentiary and I did read somewhere that some prisoners were actually allowed to have pets in their lock-up area. It must have been uh, much later on in the history of the jail. 
Um, but Pep became one of the Eastern State's most famous resident canines. So the story of Pep the dog goes back to 1924, almost 100 years after the penitentiaries opened. The prison was really overcrowded and the new warden, Colonel John Groom, was trying to alleviate some of the many issues that the penitentiary was facing, especially with um, the amount of increased security and efficiency that was required. So Warden Groom ordered the addition of brick guard towers, uh, soup alley, the penitentiary's communal prisoner cafeteria and the Iron Gate, which still stands, uh, was there. And Pep the dog. And Pep the dog, who came in because of a letter that came to the warden um, by Governor Baxter of Maine, um, who sent his dog to the penitentiary because uh, it had attacked... A cat. A cat, yes. That's bizarre that they would send their dog to jail. (laughs) And it was a black scotch retriever. Poor baby. And it was very, very friendly, very good-natured and very intelligent. And um, I did read that... He was given his own intake number, C2559, <laughs> and his and his name was entered into the prisoner ledger uh, as a dog. Oh. Now, he was incarcerated for murder and he was sentenced to life. Uh, this became a huge story around yeah, the area, yeah. obviously. And, look, one of the things that they, they really thought, I guess, behind the scenes and they didn't want to, to tell too many people was that the dog would actually help with um, the state of mental health of some of the prisoners. Yeah, and that was was a good thing. Yeah. So it kind of really helped for the the dog to be there, however it got there. Yeah. But uh, I I think it's really interesting that they gave the dog a number and it became (laughs) a prisoner. Sentence for life. That's an awesome story. Thank you. Um, Now I'll tell you about one other ghost. So there is the ghost of Joseph Taylor. Now apparently Taylor was bludgeoned by an overseer named Michael Duran to death in 1884. Uh, But this, once again, humanity. After this crime, Taylor calmly re-entered his cell and just went to bed. He went and had a nap, didn't worry him at all. Uh, So they do believe that Taylor may be... uh, roaming the the prisons, Mm -hmm. dilapidated, hallowed halls Mm -hmm. as well. Now, there's been a lot of filming done at Eastern State Penitentiary and, of course, there is our wonderful ghost adventures. They uh, they collected some evidence. Now, I, I actually saw a clip of this. This is back from season two. Okay. Very early on and, Zach, it's just hilarious. I... Anyway, um, there is a great video which we'll put up online, which is Ghost Hunters versus Ghost Adventures at Eastern State Penitentiary. And somebody's cut together the two investigations and it was back when they had, what was his name? I can't remember his name. He um, was one of the tech operators really early on in Ghost Hunters and he used to whinge and complain all the time that everyone was picking on him and it mm-hmm. was always his fault. So they've got some hilarious cuts if you, you watch it carefully um, with what the Ghost Adventures say and then what the Ghost Hunters are doing. Um but I'll tell you about what Zach found that he just went on and on. Anyway, uh, so this, some of the evidence, they got EVPs, uh, mm-hmm. hungry, and another one, 
I knew God. God. I knew God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi was another one. Oh, amazing. Nick. Nick. So, of course, Nick was with them mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. And get out. Mm-hmm. It's always That's a good a standard. one. That's a standard EVP. Uh, there was residual noises. So this would be noises that um, just belong to the building from many years of that sound occurring. This is door opening, mm-hmm. scratching, mm-hmm. footsteps, screaming. Oh. Uh, they had uh, equipment malfunction on them after they heard a man's voice screaming. The camera suddenly just drained of all energy. Hmm. I always find that interesting when that happens and then you move out of the area and all of a sudden the batteries are back. Mm -hmm. It's bizarre. Uh, They, um, Aaron thought he saw a shadow figure at the end of the cell block but didn't manage to capture it on his still camera. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they captured what seems to be a mist coming out of a glowing door which Zach claims to be the door to the other side. Oh, portal. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. But in that little video, he manages to find the death records and um, he looks up some of the people and says, oh, look what some of these people have died from. He'll never guess what he found that one of the people died from. And I, I think he might have got it wrong, but I'll, I'll tell you anyway. Okay. What was it? Masturbation. <laughs> There'd have to be some pretty hard <laughs> flogging to kill yourself with that. <laughs> I personally think the man was probably incarcerated for masturbation and he's misread it. But, of course, traditional to Zach, he has used it in the investigation. He, you see this shot of him in that clip I mentioned on YouTube and he's sitting in this chair and he's chained in there and he's going, and what did you die from? Masturbation? <laughs> <laughs> And I've just lost my poop. Oh, oh Zach. Oh. So ghost hunters also went in there and they saw um, the apparition of a man in cell block 12. Now, I know that one of those, and I was trying to find the actual clip of it, where they've got someone in a sheet running away and you see their sand shoes and they're going, that was somebody that was an apparition. I'm going, you yeah, know. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, I mean... There, there is hundreds, if not thousands, of people that go in there looking for ghosts every year, and people always will have some sort of experience. Uh, most of the the phenomena witnessed is shadows, which I find really interesting. Mm-hmm. Apart from ones wearing white joggers, mm-hmm. um, but it's almost like if you're a ghost hunter and you get the chance to investigate somewhere like that. It's almost like you have to get evidence, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you're considered to be not very good at what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've done this before in investigations where we've gone, well, we've got nothing. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing. And we've actually gone, oh, well, you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're not very good at what you're doing. Like, well, no, no, yes, we have heard that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, we do know what we're doing and we just discount stuff that is not paranormal. What, paranormal or uh, if we can give it an explanation, we will. 
But the visitors, the staff, the guards, uh, apparently the inmates since the 1940s, as I said, have had these experiences. And it's not surprising because the conditions were absolutely inhumane Mm -hmm. and the agony and torture of these poor souls would be embedded into the wall. It's like Mm -hmm. this this emotional um, essence that you put off that, Mm -hmm. that would be soaked up into that stone. The actual staff there don't like to talk about the ghosts, supposedly. Uh, They would rather tell people about the true horror of the jail rather than the ghostly horror of the jail because they're trying to educate people about what humans have done to humans is far more terrifying than seeing a shadow mm-hmm. duck from one cell to another. Uh, I think they would prefer to leave those inmates. They've been tortured enough mm-hmm. in their lifetime. So they, they don't think they actually like to make it any worse than already is yeah. for them. Uh, they do run every year a haunted attraction, which uh, from what I could see is some sort of charity thing around Halloween Eastern States Penitentiary does get haunted from 7pm to midnight in late September to mid-November where they hold their annual Terror Behind the Walls fundraiser event uh, dubbed as a massive haunted house inside a real prison. The haunted house is one of the most well-known and top-rated scary attractions in the country with over 200 performers needed across the prison. Wow. So they they celebrate in America, and I'm sure you guys can tell us too, uh, they celebrate Halloween very differently to us here in Australia. Yes. So what do we do here in Australia? Oh, people get dressed up. They send their kids down the street for yep. lollies. Yep. Uh, really, that's kind of about it. They yep. don't know, many don't know the story behind why Halloween is celebrated yeah. or and what Halloween is? Really, I, I would say one in oh, how many houses, 20 houses would mm. uh, probably less. Yeah. There's whole suburbs that will not yeah. do Halloween yeah. and they just don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite often it's teenage kids who have made very little effort to dress up just wanting lollies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do the only thing a respectable paranormal investiga- investigator can do and I get those teenagers to hold my very haunted 100-year-old Ouija board and get selfies so they can take selfies of themselves with it and send it home to their mothers. <laughs> so don't, don't leave your children well unsupervised. Done, I know. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> but they're also in America have this culture of these haunted houses, these attractions, and Hannah, my daughter, went with uh, on her honeymoon, uh, went to one of these ones at Universal Studios, and she said it's truly terrifying. There's people running around with fake chainsaws and they come out of corners at you and it's it's all designed to give you the scare of your life. Mm-hmm. So these guys are running that within this haunted jail. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I want to do it. I might need to wear my para depends. <laughs> you wouldn't get me in there. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> But look, some of the um, the, the places that have, have filmed there as Mysterious Journeys, um, Most Haunted did a live, mm-hmm. a live cross at Halloween there. And I, I did try to see if Derek Okora had done that one, but I don't think he did. So there was no great stories to tell on that. Uh, also MTV's Fear. But there was interesting things like uh, the Transformers movie filmed part of the Hmm. their episode there as well, which I thought that was rather cool. 
And the crew from Most Haunted also reported that... Um, Objects were moving on their own and investigators with the production claimed to have communicated with multiple spirits because they wouldn't be any good if they didn't. Mm -hmm. But this is a really interesting conclusion that I spotted from uh, Ghost City Tours and I really liked this. Today, a non-profit corporation, Eastern State Penitentiary Historic Site, operates the prison and offers tours, including the popular haunted house. The men and women housed at Eastern States Penitentiary became shadows of their former selves locked behind those silent doors. Perhaps that is why the ghosts who linger there only reveal themselves as shadows flitting by. Most hauntings have faces or names, but not at Eastern States Penitentiary. And that was one of the things I found when researching this is there was very few um, identifiable ghosts. Identifiable. Yeah. And as I only had a couple of stories, yeah. it's like the soap lady. Yeah. Um, and the the one person that had been beaten up and went to sleep afterwards. Um, and there's an unnamed guard. It's mm-hmm. Once again, it's this shadowy figure. So these poor souls were tortured till there was nothing of them left. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're re- represented in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. They became a nothing or a, a no one, a um, someone who would, yeah, who would be rubbed out literally from yeah. um, no identity, and so that's how they show themselves in this shadow aspect. Yeah, and I love that they are the the tour guides that they now are trying to look at more of the humanity side of things rather than um, the. The, the ghosts that might be there. And it reminds me a little bit of the Sea of Trees that we did for Japan mm-hmm. where they're trying to turn people around from this, don't think of this as a place of tortured souls, think of this as um, a lesson to learn and in, in their case a, a place of beauty. Mm-hmm. But um, to Renata, so what do you think? Is this a true haunting? Look, I, I lend myself to wanting to really believe that this place would be haunted. I'd love to experience it myself. Um, I think there are elements there that if you are there at the right time, in the right space, you will feel, see or hear something. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I just think of the. it has to be residual hauntings at least, mm-hmm. at least if not uh, intelligent. But uh, I, I would love to go there and it's on our bucket list to go. There were so many things in uh, that area that we were looking at going to when we were supposed to go to West Virginia for the mm-hmm. Women's Paranormal Conference, but we will we will get there. It might be three years later, but we will get there. Yep, we will get there. We'll, <laughs> we'll aiming for next it. year. Yep. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week on our episode of True Hauntings. If you've enjoyed it, please share it with someone. Make sure that you have subscribed wherever you're listening to. And don't forget you can join us on our other social media as well. Anne and Renata on YouTube. We'd really love it if you went over there and joined in that craziness. Also, we're on TikTok and the Anne and Renata Frightfully Good on Facebook. It's time to sign out and say... See you on the dark side, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, 
Follow at Ann and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube.